Blog Talk Radio. February the 5th, 2013. If you're listening in live, welcome to the program. If you're listening into the recorded program, thank you for uh, checking in and listening. And of course, uh, at any time um, when you're listening to live to the program, you can call in and participate by calling the dial-in number. Uh, the guest line is 347-945-7891. That's 347-945-7891. 7891, and uh, we appreciate you uh, being part of the program, either through your emails or your chat line questions, and certainly if uh, if you do feel the urge to call in and talk about anything that may or may not relate to the topic of the day. Which brings us to today, we are in the week leading up to Valentine's Day, which is a very... Uh, it's it's a very heightened time of uh, attention in let's say in in certainly in North America, um, you know, a lot of commercial activity around it and a lot of mythology around the idea of Valentine's and what it represents and about who we are and and um, our status in terms of being coupled or not coupled and a lot of expectations around that. So I don't want to get too caught up in that, but it it is very relevant to looking at the the topic today, which is, you know, how to attract your perfect mate. And I guess the, the sort of critical word there is really perfect. Um, so we'll start with that, the idea that a, attracting a mate, someone to you, um, first of all, is going to involve perfect, perfect on their part, perfect on your part. And so part of the uh, equation here that we have to solve in a way and look at and study it as as a problem or as, as something to work with, I should say, rather than a problem, is that idea of perfection. And how do we define that? So many of us have grown up with a very conventional understanding of what relationship is. And that is, is that, hey, I'm a pretty good person, and but I'm incomplete. That the, you know, the fairy tale idea of romance is, you know, certainly there's a biological drive for us all to pair with another person. Um, and, you know, that's driven heterosexually by the need to procreate and, and continue the species. So that's something that's very powerful within us. Um, but it takes on greater proportions in the culture in terms of romantic love and what it says about our identity and our place in the world. So there is all that, as I say, mythology um, surrounding romantic love and, and pair bonding. And the idea that there's someone perfect there out there that's going to complete us and, and that our life will improve because of um, being finding that person. Now, that's on some level supported by, you know, the data and the research on um, how we fare 
in or out of relationships by a number of indicators, including um, our, health, our physical health and well-being and our mental health and well-being. And certainly for men and women, um, you know, we, we do fare better on that level um, when we're with somebody because there is a sense of security and um, belongingness and um, care and, you know, sort of a sense of relaxation into life because someone is there to support you. So that's all true, but the, where we get into this, to the problem area is um, when it's pulling on our relationship with ourselves, where we're not secure within ourselves, where we are carrying into that dynamic a disconnection and a sense of wanting to repair that connection with ourselves through another person, which is always a dangerous gambit. And the reason for that is, is that um, nobody can fill that hole. Nobody is going to, nothing external at all will really repair that wound. That's something there for us to complete. So very basically put, if there's something in our, as I was saying in the last program, we were talking about the Jungian, um, um, you know, Carl Jung's uh, notion of the shadow self, that there are aspects of our psyche that are like a shadow, you know, they follow us. They're, they're a reflection off of our consciousness, but one that we can't see. It's out of our purview. And if you turn around, for example, to look at your shadow in sunlight, um, it moves because as you turn, you know, the reflection changes angle. And so that's the same thing with our consciousness. Until we really are able to put our attention on it through something like meditation or, you know, contemplative self-inquiry of any kind, if you want to call it meditation or not, you are still having what we call meta-awareness, that you are observing the process of being with yourself and what your thought and emotional and physical um, relationship is, experiences with, within yourself. And um, so the shadow is something that's not always detectable. It shows up, but often it takes until there's something... very pronounced or very um, demonstrable or very critical, you know, reaches sort of a critical mass. And then it becomes very obvious to us that there's, we don't often recognize that as just being a shadow aspect of ourselves. Now, I was just having a conversation with a friend this morning that's perfectly timed for today's program. And this is somebody who had, um, you know, uh, kind of engaged with another person in, in a sexual romantic way. And there's a tremendous amount of energy and it's pulling on very powerful forces, forces within us when we get into those situations. And so for this person, um, they found themselves very caught up in, in the tumultuousness of this affair. That it's not something they actually eventually took action on, but it had a tremendous impact on, on this person. And, um, and in the absence of the energy that was generated there, the heat of that moment with, with this person and the other person, um, there's a sense of lack of separation now. That, that, and this is a really interesting kind of notion that we tend to associate, first of all, that there's an inner me and an outer world. And if there's something pleasurable that's going on, it's because we are connected to an experience or a, a person or an object. So in psychology, we call that object relations, that we are relating to the object of our desire or our attention, and the focus, if you will. And so that object being another person, 
um, we kind of project onto them uh, this, this, these shadow needs. In other words, these unconscious needs that we may not be fully connected with. The need to feel complete, the need to feel desired and loved and, and accepted in the world. And that can, you know, as I say, have a lot of potent energy to it, and, and rightly so, that we are, you know, passionate beings and we have um, a, a, a sexual, emotional um, components to our lives, and um, that's just an energy that's that's within us. It's an expression of ourselves, and it's uh, being connected to the energy of of living and to reality. It's our vitality and an expression of who we are, and connecting with it with somebody else in that way. And so it doesn't have to be limited, of course, to you know um procreation you know there's all kinds of relationships and but particularly romantic sexual relationships are are an an um elaboration if you will of um that dynamic with another being it's not just about pairing up monogamously for raising a family it's 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 an expression of your sensuality and and your sensual experience of of the world and of reality so um, all that said, there's a, as I said, there's powerful forces at work there. And as I was saying to this person, there, there was a quality of panic about having gotten into that dynamic, now that dynamic not being there because they have walked away from this potential situation, and a sense of panic about what does that mean and, and feeling consumed by this desire and drive to be with this person again. And I was relating to them that it's it's very much like the dynamic of um any other effect on on our on our brain physiology and our neurochemistry around craving and urge and so it's it might as well just be like crack cocaine that it's not really about what the cocaine does anymore to your system in terms of stimulation or you know the the um the euphoria you get from the use of the drug it's really about satisfying the craving and it might as well be a piece of cake or you know um, wanting to, to sleep with somebody or wanting to acquire a new piece of clothing or put money down on a horse race, it really is about satisfying the urge. So what that tells us is, for you know, for the basis of this next series of programs we're all leading up to Valentine's Day, is that um, something that, you know, I hold to be very uh, true is that when we look at connecting with a potential mate, we always tend to think of chemistry. The chemistry is very important, and absolutely chemistry is, but it depends what the chemistry is based on. Chemistry can be something that's very explosive, um, not always a stable reaction. And so um, we have to be able to work with the energy there and be able to manage it and not let it become explosive or destructive. And when the elements that come together that create chemistry, which can be very potent, um, are, again, out of our awareness and that they're coming from our shadow self, they can set ourselves up to be self-destructive or even destructive towards the other person. And in other words, the, the object of our affection or attention can actually just be that. We're objectifying them. We're turning them into that thing that we need to consume uh, to satisfy this kind of craving or urge. So we're not actually seeing that other person. So chemistry can be very wrong, um, it doesn't necessarily signify a balanced decision that's going to serve us or to um, 
it, you, you turn into a healthy relationship with the other person. There's a lot of factors that come into play, and we'll be discussing this. But the fundamental idea for today's program is that it's about self-awareness at the beginning, that to be aware of what's motivating you, what's driving you, to seek out another partner. And some of the more um, widespread and, and publicized um, views on this, for example, if we look at the work of um, Harville Hendricks, um, who had a very enormously successful series of books, um, Getting the Love You Want and Keeping the Love You've Got, and um, this uh, idea of the imago theory. And it really is Freudian in the sense that we are um, subconsciously seeking out our idealized parents. That's a very powerful idea. We're subconsciously driven to find our idealized parents. What that means is, is that we have some kind of wound or need around the parenting that we didn't ideally get. And so we're looking out into the world to recreate the experience in a positive way. And so that what that means is that you're drawn to people either who are going to replicate that wound or you're going to, and maybe perhaps try and change them, which is, again is very destructive. Um, and another way of looking at that is that you are not seeing in a kind of a sober way that the person that you're attracted to um, may be filtered through your projection of your idealized view of what they should be based on what your your needs were in your past. So we see someone, we feel this chemistry, and we say, wow, terrific, and all these chemicals are firing off in your body. But a year into the relationship, suddenly you're looking at this person and saying, well, this isn't the person I chose to be with. They've changed, or all of a sudden all this other crap is coming to the surface, and I, I, that's not who I started dating. But it is. The, the, you know, the, it, what it is is that the haze of those early, heady projections that we are operating from fade off, and you actually begin to see the person for who they really are. So the, coming back to close with today's program, just an introduction to this idea that to, to seek to attract the perfect mate means to look within yourself and see where you are, what your relationship is to looking for another person. Is it a sense of completion of yourselves? Is it a sense of repairing some wound about your background? And, and what might the chemistry be for you? Is it an explosive chemistry in a way that's something you're going to participate in safely and enjoy, like watching fireworks from a safe distance? Or is there a sense of being consumed by it and giving over to it and maybe even consuming or destroying the other person in the process? Very powerful questions. And I hope you tune in uh, this Thursday for the next segment on uh, attracting your perfect mate. And today has been thought-provoking. And as always, see you next time. <laughs> 